Hello everybody and welcome to episode 69 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON Field Investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. And today's episode is sponsored by Set Apart Farms, helping veterans and their families with housing, therapy, and so much more. Today we have very special guest, Kevin Day, who was the radar operator during the Nimitz encounters. We're going to talk about his experience during the encounters and also what happened afterwards. So strap on your seatbelts. We're going for a ride. Welcome to episode 69 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. This is your host, Jesse Peak, MUFON field investigator in the state of Pennsylvania, city of Philadelphia. Today's episode is sponsored by Set Apart Farms, helping veterans and their families find housing, get therapy, and so much more. Today we have very special guest, Kevin Day, the radar operator during the Nimitz Encounters. Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jesse. It's my honor and pleasure to be here with you all. Yeah, it's great to finally have you and be able to have a conversation with you. Um, somebody that I've watched for a very long time and then listened to your story over and over again. And and just to be able to have you on here is an honor. So thank you for coming on. Man, I have to tell you, the honor is mine. You know, what, Jesse, I got to tell everyone something. I, I didn't ask for this, man. You know, I, I didn't ask for this. But when this happened, and we're going to get into all, how this all transpired, I, I have to guess here. But, you know, I... I I, I found myself in a position where I had to act, you know? Right. I didn't ask for it. So I, I don't want anything out of this. I, I don't even accept payment for anything I do. I, I refuse it. I, I don't believe in it. I don't want it. I don't need it. Right. I don't want people the wrong idea. You know, it's not why I'm doing this. Absolutely. I'm doing this because I have a voice and so many others ha didn't and they didn't get paid, you know? So why the hell should I? Right. I hear you. I'm, I'm an experiencer yep. myself, Kevin, so I, I understand completely. Yep. It's about getting the information out to the public and then sharing our experiences with each other so other people know that we're not alone in this, you know? Yeah, because there's some, there's some um, stuff about to happen. We're going to get into it. Okay. So let's, uh, let's, um, well, I want to talk to you about the encounter you had. And, and um, I remember at one point you had said, um, you know, some guys from in Air Force uniforms had came on to the ship after the encounter and took the black boxes with the information on it. Um, and you had heard that they did it on other ships as well. Um, could you kind of like tell us about that? Do you remember that happening and, and what they look like? Well, yeah, I remember it pretty clearly. Um, and just to create the context, I <clears throat> was the senior message writer for the ship for operational type messages. If we're going to do like an air defense exercise, I would be the guy that would draft the message and then ensure they got um, briefed to the command and released by the captain. Okay. Um, so the morning after the Nimitz Tic Tac encounter went down, I ran up the uh, combat information center. We call it CIC or just combat for short, because I was going to write up after action report about what had happened. So I was up there on the computer and um, I, you know, I started to get my resources together, you know, because normally I'll consult what's on the computer and, and try to get the times and all that stuff right. And um, the senior computer guy comes up and says, uh, Senior Chief, I have something I have to tell you. I said, what's up? And I won't say his name because I don't have permission. Right. He said, uh, last night, I don't know if you're aware, but some people came on board the ship and they took all of our data. All of our data. Not only did they take the data, but they had me record the 
or erase the blank tapes that were down in Commuter Central. Wow. So yeah, it happens. Yeah, and he had, why would he lie, you know? He right. had no reason to lie in that moment. Come on. That happened right at, you know, within 12 hours of this happening, not even that long. <clears throat> wow. So they were actually, so they were okay, honest, yeah. obviously yeah. paying attention to it on, on land, why this was happening in the communications maybe. Yeah. Now, do you yep. think this was uh, Navy intelligence or do you think this was something deeper than that? I would just have to speculate. I don't know. And I, I don't, I've never have and I, I hesitate to. But I do have to say this, whoever did it, they had their reasons and I respect it. Okay. I respect them. Absolutely. You know, because they, they know they know stuff that I don't and I respect that. Right. Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I'm not one of these conspiracy guys. In fact, I'm the opposite. I love government, you know. Because most people, I come from that world, and most people in government, they're just like you and I. They they have bills to pay and kids to keep in school, and they go to work and do the best they can with what they got. Absolutely. And that's all people we're talking about. You know, these are just people like you and I making decisions based on um, what they have, and that's what we saw. I think. I agree. It's that with you. simple. There's no conspiracy here. There isn't. I don't think I could be wrong. And if I am, I'll accept it. But I don't think that's the case here, man. I think it was people in this whole thing, you know, going back decades now, it was just, um, they did what they had to do, put it that way. In fact, my message before Congress, if I get to go, we're going to talk about that. Is two, I have two messages, Jesse, just so you know, for Congress. And I told Bill this. My first message is now that the government has it at, minimum has admitted these objects are real we don't know what they are and frankly i don't either i want to be on that team that finds out but because they're real let's treat it like uh, any other natural phenomenon in our universe and what we need to do is is develop and implement public education programs in our schools so that kids get informed about this that that way no Follow my reasoning on this. Mommy picks up the kids from school. They're driving home. And all of a sudden, Sally points to the sky and says, hey, Joey, look. It's one of those things we looked at, we learned about in school. It ain't no big deal. Ditto for when they get home and tell dad about it and everyone else, too. So what's going to happen is the next generation, there will be no more stigma. And my, my other message is, Let's finally bury the axe on this for all of us. Let's forget, forgive, and move on. Let's embrace what happened and admit our mistakes uh, universally and forgive everyone and move on and figure this thing out. Figure out um, what it means for our place in the universe. Let's focus on that instead of pointing fingers everywhere. I agree. And and all that stuff. You the, know? the stigma has to get lost. Um, it, hurt, it hurts a lot of people. Well, People and, that and are the way involved. To do it, and the way to do it, Jesse, is through education. And I know what I'm talking about because I hold a master's degree in education and education is, you know, it's technology. And I spent a career in education and training. You know, I've been a classroom instructor. This this will work, man. Is how And how hard is that? Really, how hard is it to teach that in school? It's not, it but wouldn't I, be hard. And, and just, I, I don't want the United States to be the last country because I think other countries, we don't want them to beat us to that punch, do we? Because they're going to if we don't. Uh, countries like France are going to start teaching it, I'm predicting. Australia, I'm predicting. I don't know, but I, I can see it happen in easy, 
Yeah, just I like mean, we teach about fish, just like we teach about worms, just like we teach about pine trees. Right, and France yeah. is already out there in the public with their UFO organization. The whole public knows about what they do, and they investigate these unidentified sightings. And I think that that's how it should be here as well. Um, this way, yep. people do get to know, and then it would turn into education, and then the, and then the stigma would be gone because people get so hurt because of this stigma. They lose jobs, they lose their careers, um, sometimes their love and their marriage. I mean, it, it goes pretty hey, deep. And Bill had asked me, we started talking about this, and Bill had asked me, he said, Kevin, I got a question for you. So what, so what, why is it that no one else has really come out about this? You and Commander Fravor, and um, what about everyone else in the strike group? And the reason is, is because they're human. And all those reasons you just described is why they haven't come out. They have concerns, and they're legitimate. They don't want to lose their jobs and their careers. They got kids in school and bills to pay. Yeah. You know what? I, and I respect that, man. And when the time's right, they will come out. Watch. Yeah, I yep. think I think they, as time goes on, people they, will come out. Yeah, I, I was just I would happen to have been in a privileged position where I didn't have those concerns anymore. And so I was able to come out where others probably aren't. And that's just part of what we're dealing with. And no no harm nor foul in my in my playbook on that. Right. I hear you. So that's that's why I don't I'm not, and I ain't, I'll be the last person on this planet to mention their names. Absolutely. The people involved. In no, yep. yeah, absolutely. Definitely. You want to keep people's, yep. keep their safety for right now, you know, because it is a stigma. Yep. Um, so let's yep. kind of talk about um, what where you were at at the time of the, the encounters, um, how it went down, what happened, if you don't mind describing oh, it for love, everybody. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, going back in my career, I was a little older when I joined the Navy. I joined at 26 and thank God for it because... You know, I was young and wild like most kids and may have screwed it up. But as it turned out, I did pretty well in boot camp in my follow on A school. And I, would, I was the honor grad, so I picked one of the latest, greatest ships. It was in San Diego with the Spy One radar, um, three dimensional um, phase array radar system, right? I was like, hell yeah, I want to do that because I was trained in radar ops, right? And that became my career field. And I did two other um, spy ships. I did the I ended up doing the Vincennes, my first one, Chosen, second one, and Princeton, my last one, out of San Diego again. So that's how I found myself on the ship in San Diego in 2004. And I got to tell you something, I had spent literally years behind that radar system in, in those same waters. And I had never seen anything like this before, not even close. And and something else was odd about this is... Um, this was my very last time underway on a ship in uniform. I was getting ready to, when we got back into port, I was getting ready. I was fat, dumb, and happy. I was going to go work for the Admiral for a couple of years, and I was going to retire and go into defense contracting. That was my plan, and that's what I did. So this happened on my very last time underway. Okay. Yeah, and, and, and what happened was I walk up into combat, um, and I was in a training environment because I was trying to train the air defense team because they're getting ready to go on deployment over to the Middle East. And I noticed these weird contacts off Catalina Island. And the reason why I say they were weird, because as it turns out, our ballistic missile defense guys were watching these things. I didn't know this at the time because my focus area is usually 30,000 feet below in the air defense world. We had objects coming from lower Earth orbit and they would, they would drop down to 80,000 feet and then they would sit there for a minute or two and then they would drop down to 28,000 feet right off about 10 miles east of Catalina Island. And they would sit there. 
And here we are, we're off the coast of San Diego, probably, I don't know, 150 miles south of them, out south of Catalina at the time. And one by one, these they appeared in groups of five to 10 at a time. And if you added them up over the whole week, um, appearing in groups of five to 10, there was about a hundred of these things. But anyway, wow. one by one, they would, one by one, they would leave the group. They would go a hundred knots, man, which is really slow, hundred miles an hour or somewhere thereabouts, right? And they tracked all the way through the airspace, right through our playground. And we didn't care. We had no air. I thought they were civilian related. And they disappeared off the radar off Guadalupe Island. Every single one of them. And it, and I was trying to identify them. And I looked every resource we had. And there was no, nothing on them anywhere. Nothing published. But I wasn't really too concerned because we we were all the ships had them on radar and we were they were on our data links. We were sharing it with the beach, so presumably anyone that wanted to know could, right? Okay. Until until the day of the air defense exercise, because in the night the air the air wing had flown on board the Nimitz, right? And we're getting ready in the morning to do an air defense exercise. So captain comes down to combat, Captain Smith, and I said, "Hey, sir, as you know, we've been tracking these objects, and no one in the strike group knows what they have, what the hell they are." And I very strongly recommend that we intercept one because I do not want to hit one. If we have a mid-air incident, someone's going to ask you and I, as the senior air defense watchstanders in the strike group, is uh, why the hell weren't we curious, right? He's like, you're right, senior chief, intercepting VID. And I was like, hell yeah. And that's why I walked the whole time. I didn't, re I didn't play, you know, I didn't rebuild my hand here. Right. And the whole air defense team is like slightly applauding when they get back in there. So... Commander Fravor launches um, one of the best damn pilots the Navy's ever produced. Um, that's just the way he was, the commander of the of the Fast Eagle flight, right? So we, I take him to the closest uh, object, and that's in the rest is history, man. That's what how that went down. Wow. So you you were actually the one that guided him to these objects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the main guy. Yep. Wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, I was the, I was the air control supervisor. Yep. A top, I'm a Top Gun grad, by the way, just so, and I, and just so you know, the Top Gun's schoolhouses, uh, they got to be very happy because the two people that come out in the whole strike group uh, to testify about this, Commander Fravor and myself, and Lieutenant Commander Dietrich, by the way, yeah. we're, we're all gun graduates. Okay. Best of the best right there. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So they're pretty giddy, I have to imagine. Yeah, yep. absolutely. So what was it like? What did these objects look like? Did they look like something different than a normal aircraft on the radar? I, uh, no, they, you know, on the radar, I, I don't actually, I can, I don't usually look at raw radar. Okay. And we have, to, we use symbology that um, tracks, you know, so it's a piece of symbology. It's got a track number on it. So we can talk about track numbers. The commander Fravor and his uh, fast eagle flight, they saw it with their eyeballs. So we get back to the beach, right? And there was a, a debrief. So I, Commander Fravor approaches me and we talk and I said, hey, sir, what do these things look like? He said, sir, chief, you're not going to believe it, but um, these objects resemble big giant tic-tac candies, big white tic-tac candies. And I was stunned. He saw that, they saw it with their eyeballs, it, big giant tic-tac looking candy things. Now, these, these objects, once Commander Fravor got to one point, they were back at their starting point, correct? Ask that again, please. Uh, the the objects that they were going to look at, they seen these objects, and then at one point the objects were back at their start point, correct? Before Fravor even well, got what back. What happened was that after uh, Commander, after this all went down and this 
and this object, um, they did, he followed it down to the surface because this object went from 28,000 feet when they were in the same air, when he did his intercept, right, it dropped out of where they were in less than a second to 50 feet above the water. So he chases it down, leaves the air, his air wing is uh, the second half of the flight up high, right? And they do a little dogfight. These are his words, and right in front of him, bah, it disappeared in front of him. And that object, whatever the hell it was, suddenly appeared at his combat air patrol station 60 miles to the north. Yeah. And you got to imagine the reaction on the ships because we are all looking at each other like, what in the hell did we just see? Now, at that time, did anybody think this was a possible training um, simulation going on? No. And here's why. Because that would have violated every safety training protocol ever written since the time days of, of the Roman Empire. Because I, I'm the guy in charge of exercise training, right? And my overriding, overarching goal is safety. I do not want to go out and train and break things and kill people. Right. Right. So in order for someone else, say it's the Air Force, right, to take to do an exercise on top of my exercise without telling me, creating a direct safety of flight risk to my aircraft, no way. There ain't no way on God's green earth that is going to happen in my military. No way. Nope. And same with the civilian agencies. They're not going to do that either because they're smarter than that. They're going to do that. Come on. Be stupid. Nope. Yeah. No way. Yeah, I, I thought about and that. Nor, and I would... Do I think it was China or Russia or either? Yeah, I couldn't see us doing training on top of other people's training. I mean, that would get people hurt and it would cause incidents possibly. So I, yeah, I've always thought that was out of the question. I just didn't know if maybe some of the people on the ship were like, maybe this is a training operation, you know, but um, obviously not, right? No, but our thinking at the time prior to the actual intercept, with it was civilian related and they had no knowledge or strike was even out to sea. It was just, it was an innocent thing. You know, that, that's what we were thinking. <clears throat> hmm. So now when these Navy officers came on board, where were you at at that time? Were you still at your station? I was, no, I was asleep. Okay. That's so they came, they were on board. so they came at night then and took the, yeah. The uh, <laughs> well, that, well, night, night is relative on a ship because you're on rotation. So okay. Uh, sometimes you're working in the day, sometimes at night. I just happened to have been asleep at the time. Okay. It was, and it happened to have been at night, yeah. Hmm. So now, let's, I guess, fast forward a little bit. Um, now, you say you uh, you went and you went into contracting afterwards, correct? Correct. And then I guess you went back to civilian life, and it all kind of came to life. Is that when it came to light? It started coming out, David Fravor, um, Dietrich, yourself. Is that when everything came out when you were civilian life or still doing contracting? Uh, definitely years later, it all came out. Yeah. Okay. I had moved on in life. Yep. And in fact, it, I can kind of tell you what happened. I ended up in my hometown and I had gotten a house and I had free time because, you know, I was retired. So I started volunteering at the local golf course because of going into bankruptcy and it no longer is happy to report. And not just because of me, because a whole bunch of volunteers around here saved it. So I had just reopened the kitchen and I was carrying out a plate of food and the golf, we were watching the golf tournament, of course, right? And all of a sudden someone had turned the channel. Like, wait, who? And all of a sudden, guess what, Bill? That video from the Tic Tac encounter was suddenly playing on CNN. Wow. Dude, I, I, I was so 
because I, I had that same video snippet in my email the morning after this happened. So I immediately recognized it. I was so sh damn shocked. I dropped the plate of food and ran home, my tail between my legs. And I was like, oh my God, my life's about to change because I knew, I knew where evidence was hidden. Because I, I had published back in early in February 2009, I, I had fictionalized the Nimitz encounter and wrote it in a, a book called Sailor's Anthology. I published it in the Library of Congress, as you know, just in case the, the story ever did break, it would become evidence that really happened. Wow. It was my way in the Navy. In, the, in fact, the military, you have logbooks. If something happens, you, right. you have the date and what happened, you make a note, right? Well, that was my way of logging it. Just so people would know, hey, this actually really did happen. I didn't, and I don't claim to know what they were, but I just wanted people to know, like, hey, this really did happen. And how and how do you refute? There's no way it's irrefutable evidence, which I was told years later that my book in the Library of Congress is one of the reasons why the government came out and said they're real. There is no way for them to refute. I mean, unless I have a time machine, <laughs> which I don't. <laughs> right. That was really smart to do that. That 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 kind of set it all up in a way. Well, I was frustrated, and I yeah, I was I was quite damn frustrated at the time. Yeah. Wow. And it was my way of positively doing something with the frustration. Right. <clears throat> yep. All right, well, let's hold off there and go ahead and take our break, and then we'll kind of get into the after effects and what happened. You got how long? Right now. I'm going to go pee pee. How yeah, long we I'm got? I'm going to go ahead and take a break. Um, and when we come back, we'll dive into the experience afterwards and just listen to these commercial messages, and we'll be right back. I'm absolutely honored to announce our new sponsor, Set Apart Farms. Set Apart Farms is helping veterans and their families find housing, get the therapy they need once they come back to civilian life, and help with their family healing. They also do so much more on the farms, helping them learn how to work with animals and helping with PTSD. If you'd like to go and see what they're about and give a donation, go to setapartfarms.org. They're the official sponsor of our show. UFO Encounters Worldwide has an official website for the podcast. You can go to ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com to go check out our website. There's articles on the UFO phenomenon. You can follow my travels, see where I've been, and what conferences are coming up. That's again, ufoencountersworldwide.wordpress.com. UFO Encounters Worldwide wants to hear from you. Have an experience or a sighting you want to share? Contact your host, Jesse Peak, at ufoencountersworldwide at gmail.com today.
We're happy to announce that Project Bat Tech 404 is now the official sponsor of UFO Encounters Worldwide. Have you or someone you know had an electrical malfunction that's associated with the UFO sighting? Well, you can report that directly to Project Bat Tech 404, and one of our team members will reach out and help you through the case. Also, if you want to go check out our website, go to projectbattech404.wordpress.com. Again, that's projectbattech404.wordpress.com, the official sponsor of our show. This May is the MUFON PA Conference. I'll be speaking there with plenty of big-name UFO investigators and researchers. Get your tickets early for a special and even stay at the motel. There will be a free planetarium, free field investigator training, plus book signings, pictures, and more. I'll be there speaking and I hope to see you there. Remember, that's May for the Philadelphia MUFON Conference. Looking for some new swag? UFO Encounters Worldwide now has an official swag store. You can go to storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. It'll take you directly to our new swag store where you can get hoodies, sweatpants, t-shirts, and more. Also, we also sell brand new stickers and pins. Just DM me anytime and we'll get you all set up. Again, for the official swag store, that's storefrontier.com slash UFO Encounters Worldwide. All right, welcome to the second half of episode 69. I'm sitting here with our special guest, Kevin Day. Uh, we were discussing the, the entire Nimitz encounter before the break. Um, and I, I guess let's kind of go, um, since the day that you heard that while you were at the golf course and you went home, um, what was the next step for you? What was the next thing? Well, because I knew that I had to act, right? Um, I immediately called my old buddies from the Princeton. I, in, Gary Voorhees, of course, and and he's like, Kev, I just thought, and we have to say something. We were there, and it's true, and it really happened. And long story short, we ended up forming UAP expeditions out of it um, because we felt compelled to do it. We had we had to do what we could do to make sure people knew this is real. And just so you know, I'm I'm no longer associated with UAPX. Um, and I, I want to put this out there because in for their interest and for mine, and God, God love them, and I wish it them the best. Sure. But I came off travel. I came off travel, and my ex, now ex-wife, and I had an issue. We ended up getting divorced, and I had taken um, a leave of absence from them. And when I came back on the scene, I had learned belatedly that um, they had treated Caroline Corey um, in ways that I totally disagreed with. Put it, and I don't want to really go into those details. I was not happy camper. Um, so I, in the, the moment I heard about it, I quit. I was like, nope, I'm done. You guys just crossed the line with me that you shat, have crossed. And I immediately called Caroline and apologized. And I, I let her know I had nothing at all to do and explain the whole thing to her. So to this moment, uh, Carol and I are best of friends. We love each other. Um, 
That's good. And she, 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 I, I'll never be able to repay what she did for us, man. That's what pissed me off because she invested her own money, and we didn't have no, we didn't have no um, guarantee we we're going to go on that roof down in SoCal and actually find something, but we did, and that would have never happened without her. I don't think. And, what, and that helped. What that helped me in weights, and I can't even. I'll never be able to repay what she did for us, and that. That's why I be that's why I became so damn angry when I learned of this. It what, still pisses me off. What exactly happened in Southern Cal? Is it what was that? What actually happened in Southern California with with Caroline Corey? Oh no, our, our expedition where we filmed a terror in the sky. Oh, okay. Was the one yes. that okay. Did the yeah did right. the movie yeah. Okay. Yep. So after that, what was the next step for you? Was it was it to do outreach to to get the story out there to tell people to get involved in? I know you're on in the UFOlogy world now. Um, you participate. Um, I seen you not long ago in the UAP Medical Coalition um, talking with us in that group. Um, is it all about outreach now? Yeah, and doing uh, research. We're doing a, we're just now in the planning phase, we're doing an expedition uh, right here where I live in the Illinois Valley in or Southern Oregon. And again, we don't know if we're going to say anything, but we're going to bring some pretty cool gear up here in our, I'm on a new team now. And okay. uh, we're going to set up and see if we can find something. There's been reports here, and I, although I have to say I've never seen anything myself, um, you know, UAP other than well, I shouldn't say that. It was a what two and a half weeks ago now. Uh, Kimberly and I did see something. It was kind of weird, but before that, I had never seen anything. So okay. anyway, we're going to do a, an expedition here in the spring. And and who's, in, bring who's all involved? Are you allowed to talk about that? And who's involved? And what you guys are going to be doing? Uh, not at this point. I I'm I don't want to talk out of school, so I'm going to right okay. like I promised. Well, I'm going to follow up when we're done here today and send and email you guys a whole bunch of stuff. Okay. Um, so that yep. object that you just seen recently, what what was that? Could you describe that a little bit? Well, you know, I come from the aircraft world, and we normally don't have jet aircraft flying here. So uh, Kimberly and I were sitting in the house, and normally at night we'll sit down and watch a movie and kick back on the couch and cuddle up next to each other, right? What are our favorite times in the day? And, we're, and all of a sudden I hear this. It was right at twilight. I, I heard a jet. I was like, what the hell? So I run outside, and she follows. And to and over to our southeast, I noticed a big. We both noticed a big brown jet flying kind of low, into the south, and it cleared. And we noticed this really bright white thing, like ping ponging off the wall, coming down off of it. And at, the, at for a moment, I was thinking flare, although it wasn't behaving like any flare. And I'd seen my share of flares, right? Like any flare right. I'd ever seen. And next thing we know, bam, it went, took off, man, in an instant, from where it was to the southeast in a, in a flash, wow. leaving a trail. That's the only thing I've ever seen here, and that was recently. Wow. I, and, you know, I, in my mind, you know, my mind works on these things, and I, I, I give myself permission to speculate because this subject is weird anyway. And there's so many aspects to it that um, just sound crazy, but perhaps they're really not. <laughs> I, 
I look and Kimberly and, and I both do this. We look for serendipity signs in our life, you know, and, our, and she opened my eyes to this. And it's simple things like you're walking by on the way to go pee pee in the bathroom or whatever. And all <laughs> of a sudden you look on the, you look on the clock and it, it says 1222 or 333 right. or 445 or or and all the every day it happens. Right. And we don't do it on purpose. And little things like I just described are serendipities. We keep getting them all the time. So I think when that happened, it was a, and it happened right, it happened right above the spot where we intend to do our mission in the spring from, wow. from my vantage point. Yeah, that? in the light, in the direct line of sight from where I'm sitting right now, if I, I'm pointing to it and that's where it happened. Now, isn't that odd? Absolutely. That's a similarity. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the synchronicity. I mean, it, sounds, it sounds crazy to even say it. That's why I don't say stuff like that very often to very many people because it sounds freaking crazy when you do. Absolutely. But but who's to say it's not real? This Nobody. phenomenon Nobody is strange to It is. It's strange to humans. It's all there is to it. Absolutely. And there's a lot of different aspects to it. Uh, nobody has all the answers to this, you know. Um, oh, it's definitely no, a strange no. phenomenon. I've experienced it myself firsthand, and I've also had a couple sightings, and uh, I can tell you that there are some things that we don't understand yet as, as humans. Um, Amen. That's for sure. And probably a good thing. And, and um, you wanted to talk about what happened post-encounter, right? So anyway, life went on, and um, I didn't realize it at the time, and let me and this is part of the problem here, <laughs> but that encounter had changed me. But the, the problem is, Jesse, I, I, didn't, I didn't connect the dots at the time. Um, all of a sudden, I had new ideas, new passions, new pursuits, new obsessions. And as it turns out, I had new skills and abilities, too, to help them out. And I became frustrated. So I ended up home, and I ended up in the wilderness, you know, looking for um, the source to a 100-year-old mining claim in our family. And, oh, my God, did I ever find it. Wow. Oh my freaking God, I ever, what I, what I was able to figure out, and I'm not a geologist, brother. Our mining claim is associated with a, a far, 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 far larger geology called the Josephine Ophiolite. And it extends from Northern California to South Washington. And what it is, it's actual ground from the mid-Pacific spreading arcs. And it's, you know, spreading arcs, they have hydrothermal vents and they lay down mineral deposits. Right. Well, an ophiolite for the listeners, um, normally that's you know that's very heavy ground. Normally it gets subducted under continental plates, but when it does get stuck on top of a continental plate, it's called an ophiolite, and that's what we have here, and it's massive. Um, so anyway, I did the research, and it sat on the shelf um, for about ten years. No one gave a shit about it, of course, and until I applied for the Dear Moon mission, and as you know. Elon Musk and MZ out of Japan are um, considering doing a, a SpaceX um, event in 2023 sometime, go around the moon and come back. And I and they opened it up to eight candidates, they're civilians. So I said, what the hell, I'll apply. And I sent them all my research, everything we're talking about. And I figured they had heard about me. So what the hell, I'll apply, who knows? And oh, by the way, one of my friends did get picked and I'll go into that in a minute. But anyway, I, Jesse, I was outside the house four days later, and I'm an airplane guy, right? I'm constantly watching aircraft and stuff in the sky. 
And I noticed this big, huge white jet going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, north, south, north, south, north, south, repeatedly over our, our whole valley. I said, wait a minute, that ain't right. Huh. So I get on the internet and it, guess what? It turned out to be a NASA flight on a geodetic mission. Wow. If somebody had checked out my research, man, and it's still happening. Because, and you ask, you're asking probably why Musk? Why, why would Elon Musk and MZ out of Japan be interested in this? Well, Musk is a guy with that new boring technology that's putting in the tunnels between LA and Las Vegas. Yeah. They could do that. They could repurpose that technology. And I put this in my application. I said, hey, sir, uh, by the way, you might be able to repurpose your boring technology to actually mine this massive deposit from below the ground without ever touching the wilderness or any cities and towns above it. Do you think that they're mapping the underground area around you? I'm, I'm convinced of it, yeah. And why wouldn't they? I would if I was them. Yeah. There, there's probably an unprecedented wealth there. Never been found before on the planet. It's that big. I mean, this is, this is a huge piece of geology. Do you, do you regret now sending that information out to them now that they... No, I'm happy I did. Okay. I don't want to dime for this. Right. In fact, you know, my, my, my real goal for this is um, because I'm convinced it's probably worth a lot. Um, and even from our mining claim, I don't care if I ever get a dime out of it. And I, I say that honestly. Um, what I hope ha happens is some of that wealth is used to combine it with today's and tomorrow's technology and, and, and solve poverty and hunger on our planet that's what i want <clears throat> that's a good thing to, to want absolutely that's what kevin day, that's what kevin day wants absolutely that's a great thing to do for people, people man. yeah that's a great thing and for the, people. yeah and the honor the honor of the honor of this is just amazing i'm so damn blessed i can't even believe it if not a day that goes by oh thank god well, we're all happy that you're here and doing. Yeah, what I'm you're not doing. a religious. I'm not a religious man. I just I love God, and I tell him that every day. I hear you. I hear I'm you. Usually emotional. I'm usually emotional like this when I do it because I really mean it, you know. Yeah, I understand that. I, I plead with him to use me. So you were also going to be picked to go to Congress and possibly speak with Congress about your encounter and what happened that day, correct? That's my hope. Yeah. So what can you tell us about that? How that happened? Did you receive a paper? Did they reach out to you? How did that all go? Um, our, my pro bono attorney, you probably heard his name, Michael Hall. He, we're both from the old UAPX team. He is in contact with the congressional staff to uh, to get me back there to testify. And, I, and my whole point of view on this is if I am called, I will stand and serve. But if I'm not, then I'm cool with that because I respect, I would respect the decision. They they would have their reasons in the case, you know, and I, but if they do call me, I will go serve. Yeah, I will, I will testify. And, and there's only two things I really want to say in addition to the Q&A, which is probably going to happen, right? Absolutely. But, but, but first, I'm going to say it somewhere like this. Um, because the government us has admitted these things are real. We should treat it just like anything else in nature that we know is real and teach it in the public schools. That way, that way, now listen to this logic. No, that way when mommy picks up the kids from school and Sally points to the sky and says, 
hey, Joey, look, it's one of those right. things we learned about in school. Yep. It ain't no big deal, question mark. The same is true when they go home and tell dad and everyone else about it, question mark. Yeah, I remember you saying this. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And uh, and they're, and how hard is that? You know, I dare us to try. And, and, and therefore, the stigma that we're talking about for the next generation would probably be gone. And that, and I think that's all it will take. See, I think and my other message for Congress, my other message for Congress is let's bury the axe on this for all of us. You know, let's forgive, forget, move on. I agree. Yep. Um, there's just things that I think that the government doesn't want to let it out because of possible national security reasons. And that's the only reason I well, think I, that that's a possibility. Well, I, and if they let that hey, out. Hey, Jesse, that's their job to be concerned about it. I respect it. Right. But that's why I fear I that trust, we'll never be able to trust, teach it in school. Right, that's why I fear that. Call me ignorant, but I trust my government to make the right call. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I, I do too. But I'm just saying I fear that we'll never be able to get to that point because we won't have all the answers because it is a national security aspect. You know what I'm saying? So maybe we will get yeah. some of it, but I don't think we'll ever get the full picture, you know, and, and maybe we will. Well, I really hope we will. Well, that's why I'm in this, you know. Well, who's we, you know? Right. Yeah. We 100 years from now is a different we than now. So it's it depends on when you're talking about so it may it might not happen tomorrow it doesn't say it won't happen in time that's that's true absolutely yeah. yeah you know i was in the army national guard so i know the need to know stuff and, and i've signed ndas and i get all the, the the stuff and certain things i don't want to let out and certain things they do and trust me i hope i hope by the next generation it's out there and we're able to understand this and actually do something <clears> with it you know just like you you know it's about getting the information out to people. It's telling our experiences, teaching it in schools to kids so they understand it. Um, so they grow up to be astronauts and travel to space, you know, to do all this. The same yep. thing you're doing, the same thing you want, We, I want, you know? <laughs> yep, so. yep. And this and, um, this thing is, and tell me, if I, tell me if I'm imagining this, but I'm noticing the actual people on this planet connecting in a way over this in a way that's probably never happened before. I agree. And it's not necessarily the governments they're going to follow. No, right. But actual people, you should see my Facebook people. account, man. People. I got every country on the planet fronted me. Pretty, yeah. You know, if it hasn't happened yet, it's about to. That's because everybody is experiencing this and they're finally pulling together as one civilians, you know, that, that has been seeing things. And we've, we've created a great community of UFOlogy. And uh, yeah. you're absolutely right. I'm I agree. The, hey, I'm the, and I'm the new kid on the block. I have to admit, I was never <laughs> a UFO guy. It was, it, you know, it, I was a pretty straight stick radar operator, you know, by the book, Navy guy. Right. I was probably the least likely guy on the planet to ever see one of these things. But that's precisely what happened. <laughs> yeah. And you never know. Maybe you were put in this position on for a reason to, to do what you're doing and, well, and there, get the word there's out. Some people, there are some people that would agree with you on that. So, you know. <laughs> Good, good, good. Um, I definitely think what you're doing is great. And if you get called to Congress, I'll be rooting for you all the way for that, for sure. Um, I think. Hey, by, by the way, I'm leaving the door open. If there's any way KGRA wants to make the trip with us and it's not impossible, let me just say it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely talk to okay. Bill, Bill about that. For yeah, sure. talk, talk to the staff about it. And we'll, <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll start no, uh, carbon copying you know, and everything that happens. <laughs> Absolutely. So what you what, what is the next step for you now, Kevin? What like uh besides that, what are you working on now? What are you researching? 
Anything My, particular? The next step, Kevin Day, is to be the best damn husband that's ever been on this planet. <laughs> that's a good I, one. I am, very, I am very much in love. I hear you. So research-wise, you said you were doing some research, though. What What are you researching? Anything particular or just all of it in general? Um, my, my entire focus at this point is focused around doing more um, research missions, like getting out there observing the sky. Okay, okay. So observation? Yeah. Okay. That's great. All right, now, um, where do you plan on doing the observations? Or no, you can't talk about that, correct, because you're doing the... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do the first one right down the road, um, from where I sit. And like I was telling Bill, um, you know, I have to say first of all, um, until just recently, I had never seen UAP in the valley here, although others have. And I'm thinking, oh, what? So many reports. Why would people lie about this, right? But Kimberly and I were at in the nighttime. We'll get dressed in our 90s and watch a movie right and i'm an airplane guy so i i heard a jet flying over which is really weird we don't get jets over here and we run outside and there's a a, a brown jet flying south right real low and all of a sudden we see this white thing drop out of it after it's clear to the south and i thought it was a flare at first but the weird thing is it's pink like it's ping ponging off the walls it's like what the hell is that and all of a sudden bat, it just Zoom, it zooms off from where it was right above the hill directly up into i guess outer space i don't know so you think Leaving this, this white, object came out of the plane i can only speculate i don't know maybe it was maybe the plane was there to check it out they got a report i don't know i could only speculate that's interesting yeah well the, and the weird thing is um if i point to the direction where it happened as a crow flies from from us that is exactly the spot where we're going to do the next expedition from yeah i remember i remember you saying this yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that's crazy because yeah. it's like it knows maybe or maybe it's watching that air maybe yeah, it's a, think, it might be the best exactly. area to do the research because i think i think intention is part of this phenomenon oh yeah consciousness intention i, I have absolutely. my reasons to believe in that yeah i agree i could be wrong so that's what i think right now okay yeah. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for coming on today and sharing this information with us. Because sorry for the snafus. Um, at one point, I felt like canceling because it was like, "What the hell?" But I'm glad we. I'm glad Kimberly's like Kevin. You got to do this, and I, that's why we have her aboard because she keeps me in line. I have to tell you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's what matters, right? Yeah. Right on, Kimberly. <laughs> I yeah. appreciate it. Well, Love thank, you guys. Hey, thank you. Yeah, thank you, and thank uh, you. we'll definitely be in touch. Um, and I'll be following along. And if you ever need anything. You have my email. You can reach out at any time and, uh, you know, help each other. That's what we do in this field. So, And I will be I will be emailing you. Give me about an hour or two and I'll email you. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I want to thank, okay. I right. want to thank all of our listeners for listening to today's episode 69 of UFO Encounters Worldwide. Please go check out our sponsor, Set Apart Farms. They are helping veterans and their families get the help and therapy that they need. Um, please check them out, give a donation, or if you're a veteran in need, uh, go ahead and look them up at setapartfarms.org. Well, that's all we have for today's episode. So until next time, remember to keep your eyes in the sky. Well, I want to thank Kevin Day for 
for coming on today's episode and sharing his experience with us, exactly what happened um, during the Nimitz encounters. It was great information, stuff that I didn't know, and I'm sure some of you didn't know it either. Um, it was great, and I want to thank him again for coming on our show. Next week, we have special guest Amy, Alien Girl 111. Me and Amy have been in contact since 2019 or even before that she's been around in ufology for a very long time and we're going to have some conversations about what's going on in today's field of ufology so that should be a fun conversation you can check her out over at youtube just type in alien girl 111 and you'll see her there um just remember please go check out our sponsors and help the veterans out that setupparkfarms.org they are helping with housing get uh veterans therapy if you're a veteran go over there and get the help that you need it's there and i want to thank everybody for tuning into this week's episode and until next time keep your eyes in the sky <laughs>